Welcome everyone to the Sunday Recap. You guys, we have a uh, fun episode today. Uh, mixing up a little bit because it's all guys in the room. Yes. Uh, that's right. Men. So <laughs> I have the least man voice out of all of us. <laughs> well, with me today, uh, as always, is uh, Mitch Green. Welcome, Mitch. How's it going? Doing good, man. I'm, I'm excited to see how far we get in this thing. <laughs> it took us a while to get rolling, so we'll, yeah. we'll see how we do and, here. Uh, we are, uh, uh, Ariel's not with us today, but with us today is Pastor Derek Allen, our family children's pastor. Uh, yes. What's going on? What's up, everybody? All right. Family here is pastor. Pastor yes. Luke Calvert, yes. our student pastor. Welcome in. We got here. family ministries representing. That's today, right. Baby. You don't know what you've gotten yourself into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this should be fun. We're going to have a Chris good time. has no idea. <laughs> well, uh, before we get rolling with our uh, topic for today, I just want to give you just a quick announcement about some... Uh, What's going on in the life of our church coming up this spring? We've got classes that are going to launch in mid-February. So we're about four weeks away from the launch of those classes. Uh, we are going to be offering actually four different classes that you can jump into. So we have the story of scripture, which is really a class to help you just to know how to read your Bible better. It's, it's essentially what, what it's about. It gives you the whole gamut of what's happening in scripture and uh, some tools for how to read it. So that's what that's about. We've got Financial Peace University to help you with uh, how to handle your money. Uh, and to be good stewards. We've also got uh, the Psalms class with uh, Brian O'Malley, a great class. We'd love to invite you into that one as well. And uh, finally, the basic apologetics class with Mike Davis, one of our elders. So uh, jump online to stonescrossing.com slash discipleship. You can check out all of the classes there. And uh, if you have any questions, reach out to me at chris at stonescrossing.com. So uh, let's just let's just be totally upfront and honest. Luke was videotaping me giving the announcement here. I, I was. Is that going to go on Instagram or it, what's happening with that? Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the videotape thing because um, I will be posting that first of all. Of all, but second of all, I have a I have a new job on Sunday mornings. Yes, you, you do. Yes. What's uh, your job? Catch me on camera video number three. Okay. Uh, during the first service. And, yeah. uh, Very I'm specific. I've been wheeling and dealing on that thing about two yeah. weeks now. Yes. So, he is not camera one. Make no. sure he understands well, that. If he's hey, ever camera, on the camera, he's camera even, three. And not even he's camera like the, two. No, no, no. Camera it's my three. hope and dream one day to move up to camera one or two. But for now, I'm just taking what I can get and uh, learning how to zoom in and zoom out. Yep. And hey. Little guys in my ear telling me where to go, who to focus on. So. Little guys. Yeah. Man. They're real people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that's true. That's that true. awesome. No, but it's fun. Cool. Dude, your voice. I mean, we just got to say it because everyone's going to mention it. Your voice sounds incredible. Buttery. All the comments. Are what is going on with buttery, your voice buttery. today? Is, is that like your, your microphone voice? Yeah. Yeah. I, or I'm just talking normally, and that's I think, how it sounds. I think this is through. reinforcing that you are related to Keith Grove somehow. Okay, mm. yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you go on the website and you see Keith and I on our por portfolio photos, we are wearing the basically portfolio the, photos. <laughs> we're wearing the same shirt. Do you shirt. know what a portfolio is? Yeah, it's like a photo. So it's best in <laughs> it's best in membership class for the people that don't really know you guys oh, yeah. yet, yep. and you see the you see the photos like side that, by yeah, side. Side, by side. Oh, so if funny. you see a Keith Groves without. Silver hair. Mm -hmm. That's Pastor Luke. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad when your own father was like, "Hey, you guys look like uh, father son." So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, hey, this Sunday, um, man, this was a great sermon this week. Um, Pastor Scott is back after taking a couple weeks off, um, and he 
did the second message in this three-week series called Follow the Money, and we jumped into Malachi chapter 3. So that's where we're going to be today, Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Before we jump into that, I, I would just love to know, I mean, what do we know about what's happening in the background of Malachi? I mean, what period of time is this? What is going on in the life of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel at that time? Give us a little bit of background on what's happening right, right then. Yeah, so in the book of Malachi, this is... Um, it's in the time period where uh, this is a post-exilic historic time. Right, after so, the Babylonian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know that in the Old Testament, uh, a large theme starting in Genesis when uh, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they went into exile, right? Mm-hmm. And so exile is a large theme throughout all of the Old Testament. And we find ourselves again in Malachi uh, in a post-exile uh, historic yeah. moment, which creates good things and bad things for, for this book and, and this historic moment. Sure. So they're, so they're returned to the land. Um, they've rebuilt the temple. So this, this is the second temple mm-hmm. in Israel. And, um, and Malachi is, is a prophet who's kind of presenting an indictment against mm-hmm. Israel because while they did all the outward signs of what they're supposed to be doing, like they followed the law, they were doing the sacrifices, all that sort of stuff, right. but their hearts were still really far from God. What was going on at the core of that? Like why were their hearts so far from God in this, in this place? Or what were they doing that was revealing that their heart was far from God? Yeah, so they well, – I'll, I'll go back to uh, – so they um, – the, pre, like the, the priests of the time and the prophets of the time uh, were kind of making uh, – were, were using their, their you know – high status, if you will, for yeah. their earthly gain uh, and for their selfish gain. And uh, yep. the large part of the book of Malachi is the inappropriate misuse of those, uh, of those prophets and how they're using their standing with the people. Yeah, I would say, I mean, similar to like what you were saying, Luke, I mean, the second building in the temple, you think it would bring excitement, but it, it appears to bring apathy amongst the people and the people just don't care about the temple, which mm-hmm. then causes corruption, which it, within the priesthood and mm-hmm. And this is what this is what he's addressing, you yeah. know, is how do they relate to the temple now that it's been established again, which really helps with dating. Again, as you were saying, you know, not to just fly over it, but that dating, the temple, like, yeah, like dating app. But no, uh, like okay. <laughs> the fact that they're talking about the temple being there can help us date when this book's written. Yes, yeah. what I think is interesting that, and Scott pointed this out in the message, was that um, at the heart of this whole thing is the worship of God is kind of at stake. Yep. Um, and I thought this was a really interesting detail because he brought out this this idea about like you know bringing a tithe into the storehouse, but the what was the like the tithe that they were giving was supposed to go to the priests in order for them to be able to be full time vocational priests mm-hmm. uh, in order to continue the worship of God because right. it had to happen daily like all this stuff had to happen, but by not doing that then the priests were not able to be full time vocational priests and then they had to then. Uh, basically cut back on the worship of God. And so so ultimately what was going on was the worship of God was being put on the back burner by because because of the um the actions of the people that were uh of of Israel at that point. Which I thought was just really fascinating. Um that really at the heart of it is God is um and rightly so jealous for his worship. Yeah. How do we reconcile that? Uh, I mean, let's just wrestle with that for a minute. Like, why is it okay for God to demand worship from us? Because all of it is his. <laughs> no, I think I think that's, again, I, I really love the way that Scott worked out this message, but I think I think it's just a simple reminder that whose things do you, 
who really owns the things that you have? Yeah. Um, and what did he, he kept saying the principle of, what did he call it? He had two principles. There's a principle of ownership and a principle of stewardship. Yeah. Stewardship. And yeah. it's this idea that it's just, you don't, you don't own the things that you even have in your possession. He kept saying possession. That yeah. was the word you may possess it, but you don't own it. And yeah. so I think, I think that's why, you know, God can, God can desire all the worship because he's not only the creator, but he's the God overall. He's the owner of all things. And so I think, I think that's just the foundational way that we have to approach him and the resources that we have. Totally. Something I think that was really interesting about that, Chris, is um, in, the, in, in, in this historical moment for Malachi, uh, it was a money issue, uh, right? That, that essentially what we're saying is they, they, didn't, they couldn't give enough or weren't interested in giving enough for the, um, for, for the priest not to be bivocational, but fully in the ministry. Yeah. It's interesting because... Uh, Kind of in our world, in our American context, money is the issue too. It's just not the lack of money. It's the, it's we have too much of it and don't know and aren't worshiping God with it. Yeah, it's a really interesting point too because I mean ultimately we we are in the top five percent of the yeah. richest people in the world mm. at this point. So it does raise a question of what are we supposed to do with this? So like mm-hmm. let's get back to that principle of stewardship thing we we're talking about. I mean, as Christians, is God asking us just to give all of our money away? Um, like, you know, like, should we just sell everything and give it all the poor? Um, should we become poor ourselves in order to do that? I mean, what, what does that practically look like for a Christian in America who has, you know, wh- whether we regard ourselves as wealthy or not, we do have enormous wealth. So what do we do with that? Yeah, I, I saw some, uh, one of my favorite pastors just recently said um, about financially the rich and financially the poor. And he said, as a Christian, the financially rich should really think about their low, pay, their low place in mm. Christ, how we aren't deserving and we're not enough, uh, and we never will be, but Christ is. And the financially poor should think about their high place in Christ and how they have gained, I mean, eternity in Christ. And so when, he, when Pastor Scott was speaking about this, I thought that kind of hit the money where it was like, well, those who are, are rich in terms of financial standing we, we, we should think about our low place in Christ and how we must rely on Christ. And then that will inject a whole different philosophy with how we deal with our money, with mm-hmm. how we use our money. Uh, I think, you know, I remember coming up into uh, Christianity my sophomore year, I would say, was when I really started following up the Lord. And I saw my parents and I saw my parents or the, my friends and their parents. And I'm like, we, it's, it's, this isn't a poor area of America to say the least. Mm-hmm. We should just give it all away, sell everything. We need to give all our, well, and I remember having this, this really vital conversation with my dad. And he's like, I, I believe the, the Lord has blessed our family so that we can use the space, the house, the house that we have, the cars that we have to do the ministry of the, of the, yeah. of, of the work yep. of the Lord. And I'm like, use it for Whoa, ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not, you you know, you go on a mission trip and you come home and you feel really guilty and mm-hmm. shameful for all the things you own. And I remember <laughs> going to El Salvador for the first time and yeah. I'm like, give it all away. This is horrible. But really it's like, no, if they can find joy in their high place in Christ because they don't have everything they need, I can find joy in my low place in Christ and use my whatever finances I have for the glory of the Lord. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, just to strip it down to its like just most rudimentary form for me is if I'm a steward and I give everything away, I have nothing to steward at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Right? right. There's nothing to manage. And so the call is with what he's given us, what are we doing to honor him, Mm. to give glory to him, to reach others for. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that sometimes we pass over in this conversation that's really important is like, 
I want there to be rich Christians. Like I want Christians to have money Mm -hmm. because again, I hope that they're living with the biblical worldview that they're seeing it as a means to serve the kingdom. For sure. So it's not like anybody's saying that they want you to have less money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, they just want you to manage the money that you have out of this identity of stewardship. And I think sometimes we we get this perspective that they're just like, oh, so you're just talking to me because I have lots of money. It's like, well, yes, but at the same time, we're just calling you to steward what you have. We're not saying that we want you to have less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know it, since Ariel's not here, I, I got to bring us back to the Bible. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, but it, there's a couple things that it, this all reminds me of. So like when you look at the early church in the book of Acts, clearly there were wealthy Christians in the early church, people who had homes because mm-hmm. they were meeting in homes, mm-hmm. right. you know, people who had money to give and because they were selling things in order mm-hmm. to give to the poor, you know, things like that. So, so that was a, a clear thing that was happening in the early church. But then you also have this instruction from Paul to Timothy in first Timothy chapter six, check this out. He says, As for the rich in this present age, this is verse 17, uh, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy is what he says. Mm -hmm. And so to a certain extent, the the blessings that God has given us, we're meant to enjoy them, Mm -hmm. never to set our hope in them. But then to use them for the glory of God, which which I which I think is a really interesting balance. Like like how do we that it's like wow we're we're also meant to enjoy the blessings that God has given us. God's given them to us as a blessing. Absolutely, I, I just have this picture in my mind when you talk about that in the first century church. Luke and I we travel to Las Vegas often, and there's this lady. Um, who works closely with the church, and she is like rich, rich, like filthy rich. And you would have no idea. <laughs> she's if, not just rich. Yeah, she's rich. rich. You, you would, you would <laughs> have of the rich. <laughs> yeah, you would have no idea if you spent time with her. But what you realize as you spend your time around Las Vegas, um, while her husband works, she just travels around and is involved in like every single ministry across Las Vegas. She is, Mm. I mean, not only financially giving to every ministry, but giving up her time, just starting things that like, yeah, I saw that there were kids in the neighborhood that needed to learn how to play soccer. So I'm running a soccer camp next week. Do you play soccer? No, but it's just like her posture is she's been given all these things and she, she just sees them as a means to impact the kingdom. And it's like her name is all over the city of Las Vegas in mission. And then I think that's the, and and the thing that I want to tie in with that is I think she experiences tremendous joy out of living her life on mission that way, where I think she recognizes that if she just stayed home, had all her money, didn't invest in the kingdom, I don't think she would have as much joy. Mm. Um, and I think yeah. that's what we're being welcomed into is this posture that positions us to say that all these resources are God's and not something that we do reluctantly, but it actually opens us up to have the ability of experiencing true joy on this side of the kingdom. Right. And I think it's a healthy tension. I yeah. mean, we all deal with it. You want to hold on to what you feel is yours, what you've worked for, but the mark of a Christian in life is one of compassion and mercy. Yeah. So how are we managing those things that God has given Absolutely. to us to show this compassion and mercy in which we've experienced from Christ? Yeah, that's really good. Well, it, it, you know, one of the things that Scott said is that the Christian life, this is a quote from the sermon, a Christ, the Christian life is 100% a life of faith. And so these are, I mean, Mitch, like the example that you gave is a great example of here's a woman who is um, doing that pr- practically. And, it's, and it seems in some ways kind of an extreme form of that for, for us, but it is an outworking of her faith in, in that sense. What might that look like for, for you know, regular, regular family living in Greenwood, Indiana right now? What might that look like for, for someone like that to, to live uh, or to even increase in their life of faith as they are 
um, learning how to handle their money and to manage their money in a way that honors God. I think when you start to talk about money, especially with your spouse, um, you can find you can find pretty quickly where we stand on how we hold how, how hold how tight do we hold it, how loose are we holding it, what do we think about it, right? I mean, you're taught your entire life save, 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 and when you have some more, you save it again. And so, I think for for me specifically, the conversation for us has to has to start with well, how are we trusting God in our finances? How are we trusting God in our time? Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a famous philosopher out there that's, a, a, it's just a rapper actually, but says, uh, <laughs> says uh, money is time and time is money, right? So I'm growing up with the mindset that money is time and time is money. So if I have time on my hands, that's great. If I have money in my pocket, that's great too. Well, the Lord actually calls us to use those, both of those things for his glory yeah. and trusting in him and giving him faith for our money and for our time. Yeah. Turn this into a Christian rap song here. Um, <laughs> but I think that's important. And I like the, the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews eleven six that, that Scott uh, used in his sermon. He says, without faith is impossible to please him, speaking of God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm-hmm. I think it starts with our trust. It starts in every facet of our life, not just finances, but how are we trusting and relying on the Lord? And I think what happens is when you take, when you take a step of faith with your finances, it be, that becomes more normal. It becomes more normal to, to utilize uh, your finances and your time in that way. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you begin to actually find more confidence in the Lord because you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't mine. This yeah. is his, and I want to use this for the glory of the Lord. So yeah. uh, I think it starts with conversations with your spouse, with your loved ones about how are we trusting in the Lord with that's, our finances. Yeah, that's huge. I think, I think a very tangible thing you can do is if, if God's blessed you with children, you loop them into the financial conversation mm-hmm. and oh. stewardship early on. Yeah. How do you do that? Like what, Actually, what are some things that, that, when, you guys are, that you guys are doing? My, you, you guys have six kids. So yeah, let's, so let, I can't get away from them. Let's just acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we've been blessed with six kids. It's very challenging, but you know, I've got a computer out in the open uh, and the kids are always, whenever electronics are on, you know, they're looking. Yeah. So when I do bills and stuff, they'll ask questions and I'll talk to them about what's what, what's going where, stuff like that. That's Sorry, cool. I hit the, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, again, what you guys are saying to me, it's discernment. I remember with JC, one of the best things we did at the beginning of our marriage was we sat down, we looked at our finances and we said, okay, how is God calling us to use this money? Where are we called to save? Where are we called to give? What are some systems that we can set up that even push against our flesh? So one thing we do is we've set up a separate savings account right. just for opportunities to give. And we, we've done that because it, it that money is money that we're not going to spend on anything other than giving and generosity. And so right. it sets us up, um, it even works against our flesh, where if we saw it in our savings account, we would maybe try to justify it more why we would keep it. And so it's, I think it's developing those patterns, those systems, but as you guys said, it all begins with really just looking at it. I think what's, what's really crazy is for a lot of people in our context, you can go and just spin, 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 and you may not be saving well, or you may not be diligent, but you really can kind of never look at your money and where you're spending it. Mm -hmm. I think it begins by saying, we're going to discern how we can use this money for the kingdom. So like you're saying that process and I think welcoming your kids into that, what a good lesson for, you know, for someone like me that's, that's trying to think about how you set those patterns is bring them into the entire process. Yeah. And I, if I can be vulnerable with you guys and whoever's listening to this podcast, uh, it's just us. It's, yeah, just, it's us. just us in the room, you know, um, it's four, four, yeah, yeah, it's four we're not even recording. Though. We just want to know what you thought. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, for me, this is, this, uh, this has been a really, uh, painstaking process. Uh, honestly, I, I, 
I'm, and you, you know, yeah, all you, all you have to do is ask my wife about this, but, um, I really struggle sinfully in finances. Like I want to hold on to it. I want to hold on to it. I don't want to spend a dime. Sure. I, I want to, if we've got clothes for the year, I'm good with that. Like I, I, and I, it sounds like, Oh, you're look how frugal. No, it's like, it really is a problem for me, like sinfully. Mm-hmm. And so something that this might be counterintuitive here, but something for me that I had to learn was I actually had to kind of let go of what I was like lording over mm. and say, okay, well, my wife and I, we can, we can manage this together. But when we were first, when we first got married, it was like, nope, cut the credit card. That doesn't exist. Get the envelopes out. You know what I mean? It's like, we're like, we're, this is going nowhere. We don't need to spend anything. Yeah. Uh, and so it was the reserve reverse effect for me was like, yeah. don't spend a dime. We got to save all this. And uh, I really like that. I really had to learn that that was sinful too. and read the passage that uh, Scott preached through this week. Um, would someone read that? This is Malachi 3, verses 6 through 10. Would I'll, someone read that? I'll get it. I have, I have the higher voice. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Awesome. Thank you. So we need to talk about this issue, and Scott brought it up at near the end of his sermon, but there's this thing that as we look at, especially verse 10, it seems as if what God is saying is that if we give, that we're going to get more back. Um, Now, he he used the term prosperity gospel, and I know many of our listeners are probably familiar with it, but for those that aren't, let's just give a definition. What what is the prosperity gospel? So we kind of are on the The more you give, the more you're going to get. Like God is going to bless you and give you health, wealth. Yeah, so health, wealth, happiness, all the things in yeah. abundant measure all the time. And it really comes down to dimes yeah. for those yeah. pastors. Yeah, it's, it's, it's taking the eternal message of the gospel and it's making it about this side of heaven solely. Mm. So it's all about achieving abundance on this side, meaning that you'll if you follow God, if you live in faith, if you give generously to the church, you'll receive all the riches that you desire within this kingdom. And it really misses that sometimes the things that we desire on this side of heaven aren't aligned with God's. Yeah. In its grossest form, we see it in seed faith, and we see people saying, "If you give me this much money, you'll get it in return." Absolutely. And, um, I mean, we see we see this abuse um, really sadly abuses a lot of older Christians across America. Mm-hmm. Um, those who you know may be watching from home on TV because they can't attend a church and they give to ministries in this way. And yeah. and again, it's a it's a um, someone has been able to take Christianity and they've commercialized it. They Into monetize a transaction. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and this isn't new. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not new. You know, actually, yeah, we see this in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is this is not new for for the Christian. And so, I think it's it's uh, it's turned in ten different ways, but it's all the same. Yeah. You know, you even go back to uh, you know, like the Reformation, uh, and one of the largest points in 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 the Reformation was getting away from 
from paying for uh, your, indulgences, right? Yeah, like, indulgences for paying for your yeah. your your loved ones who have passed to maybe go get to heaven. And right. I, that, I mean, I know that can be a sticky deal, but that this has been going on in the Christian faith for quite some time. Right. And it's it's probably a great entrepreneurial you know uh, move to to say, hey, give me money and we'll get you in heaven. I mean, I mean, people <laughs> will pay for that. It's, yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Luke says it's a great entrepreneurial <laughs> move. <Let's go. laughs> yeah. no, I think that's a really good point, though, yeah. Luke. Like, we see the Greeks, we see the Romans monetizing religion, and mm-hmm. we see that trickle its way into the church. Mm-hmm. You see that with it in the Catholic Church and the Reformation. And then as you look throughout the history of the church, you continually see ways that people step into the church to abuse um, the mission of God mm-hmm. and replace the gospel with a false gospel, which is what it is. Um, yeah. And encourage people that they're going to receive what they want on this side of heaven if they give or yeah. on the other side of heaven in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really good point that you brought up that, that it is a, it, it, it's a, it's an attempt to try to realize the blessings of heaven here and now mm-hmm. um, that, and, and that's where the, that's where the issue really lies. And I think for us, um, we need to, re, we need to keep a proper distinction because um, currently we live in this now and not yet period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. so there are certain blessings that we do experience mm-hmm. now but the full realization of those blessings do not exist yet. Yeah. We, we will experience those in the new heavens and new earth, but they have not come yet. And, and so it's, it's, it's understanding what are the things that we are still waiting for and what are the things that we are not going to experience now. Mm-hmm. And keeping that proper distinction is, is, uh, is really, I think, really important. If, if, uh, if that makes Absolutely. sense. I, w- I have a quick clip from Sunday's sermon and I want to play this because this is when Scott was talking about this and this is how he saw um, uh, what, what really Malachi was talking about here. Let's, let's uh, check this out. You know, now I, I know what some of you are thinking because I've done this long enough to, to kind of know um, how, how we kind of view this kind of thing. And, and I know that if we were just honest, we would say, you know, I would do that, Scott, if I could just know up front what God's going to give me in return. If I could just know that, boom, I'm all in. You know what I mean? And uh, it's kind of like, you remember the fundraisers you did in elementary school? And so you're raising money for PTA and they gave you candy bars to go sell door to door. You know what I mean? And then they give you these brochures and they say, if you sell 10 candy bars, we will give you a free pencil sharpener. And you're like, oh my goodness, I got to have that thing. And if you sell 20, you get a pencil to go with that pencil sharpener. You know what I mean? And like, if, if God would just do that in the church, man, everybody would give, right? Like if you give $100, he gives you 200 back, that, you know, that kind of thing. And that's how we typically think about it. We want to know what we're getting ourselves into, don't we? Now church, really what that is, is it's prosperity theology, and it's all over the United States. It really is. And it basically says prosperity, the prosperity gospel teaches that for every dollar you give to God, he's going to give you two or 20 back. Or if you give $500 to God, he's going to heal you of cancer tomorrow. And I'm just telling you as your pastor, it's a scam. It's a manipulation of God. It's a, manip- a manipulation of God's people by preachers is what it really is. And so prosperity preachers get it wrong because it's not God giving you $1 for every 50 cents he gives you. It is, it is really God giving, giving you more of himself for every step of faith you take in your relationship with him. It's God pouring out him, himself, his presence, his love, his grace, his peace and joy in your life. And so what we see is when people walked with God in faith, the earthly storehouse produced worship. And when, 
And when people walk with God in faith, the heavenly storehouse produces wonder. So what, what he was getting to here was that uh, the blessing that God is promising here in verse 10 is not a blessing of financial return, but it's a blessing of God himself, mm-hmm. like actually giving more faith, more of himself, more joy um, back into the people. But, but, you know, you read this, you know, back in verse 10, it says, he says, uh, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I mean, I can see where the prosperity yeah. theologians would interpret it the way that they do. Yeah. So how do we get to that place or, or, or what other, maybe other passages of scripture or, or, or theological ideas? Like, how do we get to that place where we say, okay, the prosperity gospel is wrong and God is actually promising us more of himself? Yeah, I, I think anytime we read the scripture, right? It's, it's important that we're, we're interpreting the scriptures in a whole story mindset, yeah. right? that this is one po- portion of scripture and it's very valuable and, and it's telling a story, but it's a telling a story within a story. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's 10 examples to this one example of I must decrease and he must increase or, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, or that we, we are giving up thing, earthly things uh, in the Christian life. Yeah. Uh, and so I just appreci- so appreciate what Pastor Scott said there, uh, that, that, man, what we want on this side of heaven is more of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I want us to desire more of him before we desire more money or more, you know, um, public standing or more anything. Yeah. That if, if we get to a point where all we want to do is desire to have more of Christ, then 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 this is what it takes. This is this is this is all that there is. There's only one option for us as believers in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Is to fully trust in Jesus. And um, and and you know, I, I think I've heard you say this, Chris. Is like, man, look, what if we prayed that we would have more faith? Yeah. Let's pray that we have more faith in God. Let's pray that we have more boldness. That's the place we start when we talk about fi- finances. That's why we, we start when we talk about sharing the gospel. That's where we the place we start when we do anything in the Christian life. Would you give me more faith, Father? I just want to be obedient to you. Yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I like the idea that uh, obedience uh, breeds intimacy with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, now obedience doesn't breed salvation, but it breeds intimacy with the Lord that as we grow, like a baby beginning to walk, you know, first got to crawl and stand up and fall, stand up and fall and begins to walk. We are walking. We're starting to learn how to walk with the Lord. And so, it's so precious that like what Pastor Scott's saying is like, man, I've, I've, designed, I, I, I've experienced the fall a lot, right? Yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to comment on, because I think, I think it's an important distinction to say our obedience does not bring us to salvation. Exactly. Salvation is a gift from God by grace through faith. Exactly. Right? But then to experience the blessings of God, that's, that's when obedience actually comes into play. Yeah. Like there are blessings that comes with salvation, but to fully experience the joy of that salvation comes through obedience. Yeah. yeah. So I think what you're saying from an old from an Old Testament perspective is you're saying that you know sonship, um, being adopted into the family of God, is per, is is inherited by being a part of the people of Israel, right. primarily in the Old Testament perspective by the promise. That yeah, God by the made. promise that God yeah. made to them. 
but to live in light of the blessing that God's given to them means upholding the covenant that they've made. So this is keeping his law. This is doing these things. And what's so interesting is that the law of God does have benefits for us, not just within blessings, but benefits that they didn't even register at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think we take this to the New Testament perspective. And what we see, when I think about this question, Chris, that you were saying, I do think the first thing we need to recognize is what does the whole story of Scripture say? But the second thing is place the message that you're hearing, you know, this gospel presentation in the first century world, and how would it fall on the original hearers that Christ would be talking to? Yeah. And I think the reality is that the none of them would buy into this prosperity gospel. <laughs> like mm-hmm. They just wouldn't. It just wouldn't make sense to them. Because again, the eternal perspective is so much greater than achieving our riches on this side of heaven. And I think what what God knows better than we even know ourselves is that that's really what we desire. Mm-hmm. More money will not bring us happiness. That's More right. money will not bring us to be complete. Again, one of the things I heard in prepping for my sermon that I thought was really helpful was everybody who has money knows somebody who has more money than them. And we talked about this last week. Except we said, for Elon Musk. We said, other than Elon Musk, <laughs> 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 who's now richer than Jeff Bezos. Yes. <laughs> so, but, but everybody, even people who have a lot of money, know people who have more money than them. Money does not bring you happiness. What brings happiness is peace, and there is no peace that's found apart from Christ. There is no yeah. peace that's found from away from the presence of God. And so that is really the desire that's at, that's at your heart. And again, I think that's the heart behind why Scott is preaching a message like this, is to remind us that what you're really after is peace and more of God's presence. Yeah. And money can't buy you that. That's right. That's right. There's so many passages, um, just a few to, just to bring up here. John 6, 35, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But is he talking about a physical hunger, a physical thirst? No, he's talking about that that craving that we have for God, uh, for 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 Him, and and uh, and then you go back to like Psalm 107. He says, "For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things." Uh, Psalm 16: In Your presence there is fullness, fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And uh, I found this this quote by Herman Bovink. He he says that uh, that. God himself is the abundant fountain of all goods. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is such a reassuring thing to know, like, because if he's the one that's providing, um, then we don't need more of those things. We, ju- we really just need more of God. And it's so important to, to think of this as um, this isn't, you know, this isn't a yes and situation. This isn't a yes and, like, yes, I know that, uh, Chris, thanks for the scriptures, but I also have to. No, it's like that. That is it. Yeah, <laughs> that is it. And I, yeah. I have the temptation as I'm listening to you to say yes, but, but no, it's just yes. That is well, that's and it. that's true because we see a cause and effect relationship between okay, I work, and then there's a paycheck that shows up in my Absolutely. bank account. You know, mm-hmm. so so that cause and effect relationship, I think, is. Um, something that distracts us from the reality that God is the one that is truly That's providing right. for us. Yeah. One more quote before we before we close out here. This is something uh, Scott said at the end, and I just thought this was, man, I, I wanted to put this on like social media and share it around, but I just thought this was so good. So here, he, this is as he was closing, he was just talking about the value of the presence of God. This is what he said. In the age of anxiety that we're living in today, you can't put a price tag on the peace of God in your life. And in the age of division and strife, you can't put a price tag on having the love of the Holy Spirit flow through your life into the lives of other people. 
In the age of materialism, you can't put a price tag on just being satisfied with the things that you have. And so, and so we walk away in freedom and security and joy and peace because we have more of God in us. And you realize, man, I'm satisfied by the bread of life. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so what I want to ask you guys as we close here is, um, how have you personally seen the, 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 the satisfaction of God in your life? And where has that brought you? What, what has the satisfaction and peace and joy of knowing your Savior, what has that helped you to, to kind of let go of in this world? And where has it brought you today? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, like I kind of, I've already alluded to a little bit with my, with my finances, was lording over it. Um, and I, realized, I thought I was being a good steward. I convinced myself I was being a good steward by not letting us spend a dime. Um, and saving every ounce that we have for our wonderful Florida retirement. Um, but I had to realize that that's, that's, that's just the, it's just another prosperity. It's just a later prosperity. And so I really had, like, the Lord was just, like, wrenching my heart to a point where I was like, I need to surrender my, my, my lordship of, my, of, of your money in my possession. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, was, it took a lot of humility. It took a lot of uh, frustration, and I've not worked it out uh, fully just yet. And I, it still hurts me when, you know, to spend money. But I needed to realize, like, spending money is okay. Mm-hmm. Spending money is okay. Giving money away is okay. Uh, trusting the Lord in that. And I think that it, it's so interesting because it, it, it grew my relationship with the Lord in a way that says, are there other areas in my life that I'm withholding? Are there other areas of my life that I'm lording over? And what are those? Lord, you know, would you, would you reveal those to me so that I can repent of that and really trust you in other areas too? Uh, and so that's, that's for, for me, that's kind of the, the starting point of this yeah. is where I've seen that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've had to grow almost in the exact opposite, which is what's funny um, for, for me and Luke as we talk about this. Again, I've had to think more intentionally about how I value the money. I used to say in my early 20s that I just don't care about money, um, which meant that I would just spend it on anything. You know, if you would look at my eat-out budget, it was very high for, sure. you know, oh, yeah. a, a young 20-something. It was just because I didn't value it. I held it very loosely. Um, which, which in one sense I always thought was more healthy, but the reality was as I got married to JC, what I realized is there's a balance between um, being discerning and disciplined and giving your money to things that don't matter. And so I've had to really work out that balance with her. But one thing that I I was thinking about this as you guys were talking, that's really, um, really opened this up for me. There's an app that you can have on your phone called time hop. And I don't know if you're familiar with this app and time hop will bring up old memories and when I ever want to like remind myself how Christ has grown me, I just open up Time Hop, and I see <laughs> things that I posted or I talked about ten years ago and cringe. And so, <laughs> and, well, well, no, seriously. And so that's e- what I would do. So exactly, no, I do. And and so to even move this conversation out of money, I just was reminded last week about the things that I valued in my heart. I saw a post from me in my twenties, and I'm and I'm talking about something related to not related to dating, but I make a little flippant comment in there about how dating is difficult. It was like my life was centered around accomplishing this object that was on this side of heaven that ultimately doesn't bring complete joy. Mm. And so I'm just even reminded as I reflect on the past how God has grown me, as you're saying, in this process of surrendering surrendering more and more 
to him. Mm -hmm. But with finances for me, it's been something where I've had to say, how can I be intentional with this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, if you ever want to be humbled, just download Time Hop, (laughs) you know, if you've lived in the social media area and you'll see that, you know, God is working things out inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. For, for Becca and I, I mean, I look back in 2014 when God called us out of Florida coming up here. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, we stepped out in faith. I was in the financial industry, so you know, I was I was making good money for the here side and retirement side, and leaving all that to pursue full time vocational ministry. And it's just been a blessing to see and be encouraged when we look back at, at God's faithfulness as we responded in faith to Him. Now, I mean, obviously, money is still a problem sometimes with six kids. And it's only going to get worse as their mouths get hungrier and stuff. But I think about what is communicated in my life uh, to my kids. And I want them to know that their value is not a dollar. Mm -hmm. Their value is not a money sign. Their value is not their talents, Mm -hmm. um, their sports, that their value is communicated by the link that God went to possess them through Christ. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do anything else, that's what I want to communicate. And for you that's listening here, well, let me just read this quote because I, I think it says this. It says, but worth, value, and beauty is not determined by some innate quality, but by the length for which the owner would go to possess them. And God sending his son to die for you communicates such worth and value. Yeah. And so if you're looking at that worth and value from a dollar sign, that does nothing and pales in comparison to what God has done and the lengths at which he went to possess us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, something I want to I say, just like uh, this is kind of weird, but you know, when, when we sit around in a podcast setting and we sit there and we talk about God, um, we spend an hour really talking about how to worship him and how mm-hmm. to grow and worship him. And what I want to encourage you if you're listening to this is like have conversations have conversations yeah. about the Lord often, yeah. you know, because it, even this conversation has blessed me in a way that I, it, 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 it helps me posture my heart in this moment to worship Yeah, because we're sitting around talking about how to better worship our father. Yeah. Have these conversations with your friends, have these conversations with your, your spouse, have mm-hmm. these conversations. And, and as you, as, as I'm talking about it, the spirit of, is swelling up in me, a heart of worship. Yeah. And I could be doing something else for this hour. You know? <laughs> so yeah. it just really, I think that's a great point. I mean, yeah. part of, part of the pushback that we're getting, I, I, I think in the church as a whole is that, uh, is that there's, a, there's many people in the church that'll look at the study of doctrine, the study of theology and say like, that's not actually helping me to worship God. And what, what you're expressing here is that, that actually discussing theology brings you to a place of worship. So doctrine actually leads to doxology mm-hmm. in that. And I, and I think it leads to a greater doxology down the road. So actually delving into, in, into these things can be extremely helpful yeah. when it comes to just worship the worship. So, of God. so Chris gave us all one last word. And we've all taken two. So I'm going to say one more thing. Yeah, go yeah, for and, it. And I really think this ties, <laughs> this ties into what, what Derek was saying, but then ties into what Luke was saying also. So the recognition is that if you're not talking about these things, you're going to be formed in ways that you don't recognize. And what Derek said was from the kid's perspective, which is beautiful. If you're not giving, helping your kids understand this perspective and worth that they have in Christ, how money, they will learn it somewhere. And I have learned this, I have learned this way more over the last four years as I've been closer to corporate America spending time with JC, Mm -hmm. that people are taught 
that they are valued by the way that they're paid. Yeah. Um, that is ingrained in their brain. Yep. If they, if they don't want you, they'll pay you less, Yep. you know? And so this is the message of the world that we have to combat. So if you're not talking about it, you're going to be formed in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think like, like Derek's saying, it's important that we talk about our kids with this. As Luke is saying, it's important to have conversations around your finances with somebody. Yeah. It's important to find someone with that you your can spouse, talk about. Like you said earlier, yeah. or with, or with other Christian friends. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. you'll be formed about it and we're going to be pulled different ways. Luke might be pulled into the camp where he's just going to kind of save, 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 save. And I'm going to be pulled into the camp to say that I'm just going to spend, 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 spend. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of those are God honoring. And so God could actually use those conversations to form you more into Christ likeness. Yeah by talking about how we value our money. Yeah, that's really good. Hey guys, thank you so much for this hour. This has been super, super cool and helpful. Super fun. Yeah. yeah. yeah thanks for having thanks us. Thanks, Cheryl. Uh, hey, we are uh, so excited to delve into the next and last uh sermon on follow the money that's going to be happening this week pastor scott's back up and uh, we're going to be back here next week to talk about it so we will see you all next time on the sunday recap 